0: a nacho bar, dominoes, cornhole, all that jazz. It costs only $10, and you're invited to be a part of that fellow, so we want to see you there. At this time, Pastor Kevin's going to come up and bring the word. Amen. Good morning, late church. It's good to see everybody this morning. Hallelujah. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. I am going to be starting a new series here this morning, and we're going to be uh, talking about the subject of prayer. Yeah, I figured that that would probably be the response. The reason I, I made my uh, graphic and title in such a way that it wouldn't make it obvious that I was going to be talking about prayer because people don't get that excited about prayer. But we should be excited oh, about prayer. You know, and the reason why is because religion has made prayer something it's actually not. We should be excited about prayer, though, because prayer really is how God and man partner together in bringing the impact of heaven on earth. There's no other way. Prayer is the avenue through which God and man partner in bringing heaven to earth. You know, Jesus prayed that in Matthew chapter 6. He said, Pray your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. But you know, religious teaching, like I said, has presented prayer in such a way that it's made a work out of prayer. It's made an obligation out of prayer. Rather than the privilege and the opportunity... I mean, come on, God Almighty has invited you into the conversation of the ages, and we act like prayer's a burden, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we've got to get this straight because, you know, in the, di- in the days that we're going into, you know, there's no telling what we're going to face, and uh, a prayer, a, a powerful people is a prayerful people. You know, I don't know if we're going to be facing any uh, fiery furnaces, lion's dens. Ain't no telling. But I'll tell you what, the deliverance from the fiery furnace, the deliverance from the lion's den came through the avenue of prayer. Those powerful people were prayerful people. And so we need to be a people of prayer. And, uh, you know, there's many kinds of prayer. And a prayer is governed by laws, it's governed by principles. Let me say that, it's governed by principles. And every different kind of prayer has principles that, that govern it. And so it's important that we understand the principles that govern prayer so that we can pray effectively. You know, you can pray and not be effective. <laughs> Anybody prayed and not saw much uh, answer in their prayers? <laughs> Prayer is meant to be effective. You know, Brother Hagin said this. He said, A believer cannot be a success in fulfilling God's purpose in his life if he does not know how to pray according to biblical principles. So we have to understand uh, the biblical principles that govern prayer so that we're not just spinning our wheels, but we're actually being effective when we pray. You know, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, uh, you know, there's lots of uh, tradition and even superstition surrounding the subject of prayer. You know, we, we've really gotten a lot of of our what we believe about prayer from sources that are not rooted in the Word of God. And it's caused us to not pray because, listen, if you pray and you don't see any Uh, results. It's not long. You're going to quit. You're you're not going to see the benefit in it and you're going to quit praying. Uh, Like I said, in Ephesians chapter six, verse 18, it says to pray with all kinds of prayer. So there's all kinds of prayer and we're going to look at those. We are going to look at the principles but I want to talk to you this morning about something that I believe that if we don't get it right in this area, then we can't be effective in any of those kinds of prayers. All right? So um, it's going to be so simple you could miss it. So I want you to, <laughs> I want you to engage with me and believe with me this morning that, we can, that I can clearly communicate what I want to say this morning. Uh, You know, the Lord's been speaking to me about this in this area, and I've been applying what I'm going to share with you this morning, and I'm telling you, my prayer life has gone to another level. And you know, you could know all of the principles that govern prayer and still not see results. And I'll just say this, because prayer, although it's governed by principles, the real Secret to prayer is relationship with God. The problem is if we're just trying to work principles, we're seeking the hand of God and we're missing the heart of God. You know, how would you feel if someone always came to you and all they ever came to you for was just to need something? They're always wanting something from you. But they never really just wanted to sit down and get to know you. Well, you know, God is a person. And truly, the whole purpose of salvation was relationship. And I think we've missed it. I think we've missed it in this area. We have a lot of needs in this life. We live in a fallen world. No doubt we have a lot of needs. We have a lot of opposition. We have a lot of things that we face. And God wants us, he wants to answer our prayers. You know, he wants heaven to impact our experience. He wants to meet your needs. In fact, he knows your needs before you ever even ask. That's not the problem. The problem is is that God wants you more than he wants anything else. You know, we've put so many things uh, in the priority level ahead of just knowing the Lord and having relationship with him. And so I'm really believing that, uh, that bonds are going to be broken and people are going to be liberated to be able to have a relationship with God that then causes everything about their spiritual life to become effective, yeah. to become effective. You know, we've got to believe that um, our prayer has the ability to bring heaven to earth. You've got to believe. Really, the main principle that governs prayer is faith. You know, prayer doesn't make faith effective. Faith makes prayer effective. And you can pray and not pray in faith, and nothing will happen. And we know that prayer comes from the Word of God. You know, the Bible says that, I mean, faith comes from the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But listen, if you look into that closer, that says that, pray, that faith comes by the rhema of Christ. It doesn't come by the logos. That means that you have to have a, an intimate relationship with God to where He unveils and reveals what this word means before it's able to have the power to bring faith into your life. And faith, a prayer without faith isn't going to work is we're talking about what, what principles govern the transference of spiritual things into our physical reality. Because listen, God blesses you spiritually, not physically. This is something people don't understand. They think God rains money down from heaven. You know, if he did that, he'd be a counterfeiter. <laughs> God answers our prayers and he blesses us spiritually. And he's given us his word to supply the faith for us to transfer what he's blessed us with spiritually into our physical reality. But you can't do that outside of relationship with God. Because our faith isn't necessarily in the promise of God. It's in the God of the promise. Or it should be. That's the problem. Too many people are just trying to put their faith in the promise of God, but they don't really have faith in the God of the promise. See, Abraham in Romans chapter 4, it says that Abraham judged God faithful, knowing that what he promised, he would bring it to pass. See, I think the problem is we know the principles. We just don't really know the Lord of the principles. Oh, man. Hallelujah. So I want to focus on what I believe is the primary purpose of prayer this morning. The most important aspect of prayer and the key to being effective in every kind of prayer is relationship with God. So turn, I had you turn there to Matthew chapter 11. Let's just read this first verse. Now it came to pass, when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples, that he departed from there to teach... Oh, No, I'm sorry, Luke 11. My bad. I had it open there to Matthew. Luke 11. Now it came to pass... It starts the same way, so I was confused. (laughs) Now it came to pass... As he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. See, prayer starts with God. We need to have the same heart that the disciples had. Say, Lord, teach us to pray. We need to have that kind of heart in everything when it comes to spiritual matters. In fact, too many of us have become spiritually prideful and we just think we got it all figured out. <laughs> Instead of humbling ourselves and saying, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us. You know, I, I remember, uh, I think one of the most powerful pl- prayers that I ever prayed in my life was I had realized that you know, I, I said to the Lord, I said, I, I realize that about everything that I've learned up until this point, and I was about 33 at the time, is probably wrong. Please teach me the truth. Amen. Wasn't very, wasn't very uh, long prayer, but it is the kind of prayer that God can answer. Oh, man. Yeah. See, God exalts those who humble themselves. He's opposed to the proud. Yeah. And no matter how long you've been a believer and how much you know and how much you've learned, uh, how many of you know Jesus is the standard? There's always room for improvement, adjustment, and growth in the kingdom of God. So this instance where they ask Jesus to teach them to pray, let's turn over to Matthew 6 because he shows us some more things in Matthew that you don't see in Luke. Is it all right if I just take my time here getting started? So in Matthew 6, one of the interesting things about this uh, this instance here in Matthew 6 is that Jesus first talks about They asked him to teach them to pray, but the first thing he does is he teaches them how not to pray. Which I find interesting. Because most of the problem that we have is that we need to unlearn things before we can actually learn the way that things are supposed to be done. Most of us have been indoctrinated with so many different kinds of humanistic ideas. Pagan ideas, religious ideas, that we got a lot of stuff we need to unlearn before we're even in position to learn the way that things are actually supposed to be done. You know, Jesus starts out, he, he, uh, he starts talking about how not to pray. In verse 5, he says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray, standing in synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. You know, one of the things that's interesting right there is that Jesus said that hypocrites love to pray. (laughs) Oh, I'm just going to let that sit there for a minute. Jesus said hypocrites love to pray. They love to pray to be seen of men. See, the first thing that Jesus deals with is the fact that God doesn't only consider our words, he considers our motives. And that God only anoints the real you. God only deals with the genuine you. Not the the put on. You know the word hypocrite means to put a mask on. It means you're trying to play the part of somebody that you're actually not. In Hebrews, it says, let us draw near to God with a true heart and full assurance of faith. The first thing he deals with is the fact that we got a lot of phonies. Let me just say this. I I probably shouldn't have said it that way. (laughs) We got a lot of Phoniness (laughs) Phoniness. <laughs> in the body of Christ. We got a lot of people trying to act and put on airs, impress, compete, compare, especially in the modern church because the modern church is the church of the celebrity minister. And now everybody wants to be in ministry because they want an audience with men. You know, if we lived back in the Bible days where they were stoning the ministers, not as many people would want to be in ministry. <laughs> Suddenly, there wouldn't be very many people feeling called to five-fold ministry. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in the modern church, you got you know the applause of men and, and praise of men and admiration of men and all that, and that causes people to want. An audience with people. But really, if you don't have an audience with God, it don't matter how many people you got listening to. Come on now. Man, too many people want to be seen of men. I tell you what. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. But, uh, you know, when you receive that, Jesus said you have your reward. So, you know, he's trying to help us deal with our heart. Because one of the reasons we have an issue with prayer is our heart's wrong. You know, we're not able to just be uh, real and genuine and, and just transparent. And then when we come to relating to God, we bring that into, we bring that into him as well. And we're, we're putting on airs and we're trying to, to impress God with our prayers. You know, he's not impressed, I can promise you that. (laughs) Not with that. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, I'll move on. He says, but when you pray, go into your room. When you shut your door, pray to your father who's in secret, in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You know, it's about personal relationship with God. And you know, really and truly, when you're in faith, faith excludes boasting. Because faith is trust and reliance upon God, not you. And so faith excludes boasting. What faith does is when you realize that there is nothing good in you, Outside of Christ, it causes you to put all of your trust, all of your reliance on God and in faith rather than in your ability to compete or compare or impress. And it does away with those things, it takes away your uh, trust in self. That's what we got to get rid of. So faith excludes boasting. And puts you in a place of humility where all of your trust is in the Lord. And you know, that's the kind of prayers that God can reward. uh, That God can can move within. You know, it doesn't mean that the only place that we can pray is in secret. It just means that your outward life needs to flow out of your private life. You got too many people trying to present something outwardly to to men that they don't have in secret. And you can't take people to places you haven't been to. You know, I think about that in worship. You can't take people places in worship you haven't been to yourself. (laughs) You go to those places alone with the Lord, then you can go there. And you can take people with you, you know. Okay, so I really want to get past this part, but I want to make these points. He says in verse 7, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. This is another, another thing that uh, we do, is that we think that the purpose of prayer is to motivate God or to persuade God. You know, like we're going to come to God and we're going to talk him into something. (laughs) I'm telling you, God, is his will is already set. (laughs) You're not going to persuade something or persuade God to do something that isn't his will to begin with. In fact, faith can't produce anything that God hadn't provided by grace already. You know, I think when it comes to prayer, especially when we're talking about asking God for stuff, we're too quick to pray. We really should go to the Word for a while. Establish our prayers on the foundation of the Word and then pray. Maybe spend weeks finding out and being totally secure, founded upon the Word. That way when we pray, we pray according to the Word in faith. You know, the prayer of faith doesn't need to be long. I you know, Gosh. So many things I want to say right now. <clears throat> or so many things I want to save for later. <laughs> uh, you know, when it comes to praying for people, we pray these long prayers. I was thinking about this. Did you know when Jesus prayed, he said, Lazarus, arise. Young woman, I say to you, arise. You know, these these prayers. Moses... When he prayed for Miriam to be healed, he said, Oh, Lord, uh, heal her now, I beseech you. Eight words. (laughs) You know, the difference is that when you pray in faith, your words are few, but they're effective. One of the reasons we pray these long prayers when we're praying the prayer of faith is because we're waiting to see if something's going to happen. And we think we got to keep praying until it does. I'm telling you, faith prays and then walks away and believes that when he prayed, he received. <laughs> oh, It just reveals our unbelief. It just reveals our unbelief when we pray these long prayers because we're so carnal, we believe we've got to see something change before we believe we've received the answer. I know, I'm... Stirring in your stuff this morning. The purpose of prayer is not to motivate the Lord. In fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus goes on and he says, Look at the birds. Now, they don't sow or reap, but, they're he- but the heavenly Father takes care. Are you not more valuable? We, it, see, prayer doesn't be, need, need to be used to try and persuade God. Or try to motivate God to do something for us. The reason why we do that is because we don't know the Lord. We don't know that He wants to answer our prayers more than we want Him to answer them. He's our Heavenly Father, He cares about us, He wants to meet every need that we have. We can't, mo- we, we're not trying to motivate God. Here's, here's the thing, people try to motivate God. You know, this, uh, gosh, I hate to say that, but I'm going to say it anyway. We think if we can't God, get God to do it for us, then we get other people to pray. <laughs> Without, well, if we can get enough people. <laughs> if we could just get enough people, you know, bombarding heaven and badgering God, then he'll finally just give in and give us what we want. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) He says, don't use vain repetition. You're not going to be heard for your much speaking. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Verse 9, in this manner, therefore, pray, or pray in this way. And so, Jesus, I'm not going to teach on the Lord's Prayer. Um, you know, at best, it's a model. It's not meant to be recited. Uh, in fact, I'll say this, and I'm going to drop this on you, uh, but this isn't even a new covenant prayer. That's right, yeah. this is, it's not even prayed in Jesus' name. <laughs> and people recite this, and they do exactly what Jesus said not to do, which was make vain repetition, thinking you're going to be heard for your much speaking. At best, it's a model, and I would say this: it starts with praise, it has a petition, and it ends with praise. That that is the model right there, um, for petition. But it's not just meant to be recited. It's not a new covenant prayer. We need to pray according to new covenant praying. That's the covenant we live in. We have a better covenant established on better promises than the guys that Jesus was teaching and telling them how to pray at this time. And there's so many things that we bring in out of the old covenant in Jesus' teachings that aren't applicable in the new covenant. So many things. We have to rightly divide the word of truth so that we can be effective. Who wants to pray for results? Not just be praying to be praying, but praying for results. You know, amen. So um, Jesus also said that it's not the purpose of prayer to just make him aware of our needs. You know, a lot of people approach prayer like, I gotta let God know what's going on down here. I got a lot of problems going on. He he doesn't understand what's happening. I gotta fill him in. I gotta inform him. God doesn't know. (laughs) It's not that either. It's not that either. We've got we've gotta we've gotta know what prayer is not so we can get to what prayer actually is is all about. And the primary purpose for prayer is communion with God. Look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. This is after Adam and Eve had partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had already rebelled against God. God. And in verse 8, it says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Where it says that the Lord God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. When you study that out, what you find is that God regularly, daily came and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, or the, the evening time. Uh, but the main point is, is that he regularly did this. with. Them. God created Adam and Eve to have communion and fellowship with God in his presence. They were created uh, to live in his presence. And so let me ask you this. What do you think... Um, what do you think their communion and their fellowship was like? I mean, what did they talk about? Because that was prayer. Prayer is communion. It's fellowship. It's communication. What do you think that it was like? Because we're talking about the original intent of God, why he created man and what he intended for his relationship to be like with them. So what do you think it was like? Because listen, think about this. Adam and Eve, they didn't have to believe for their food. They didn't have any clothes to believe for. (laughs) They didn't... (laughs) Larry got it. Larry's paying attention. (laughs) They didn't have any uh, addictions, depression to deal with, anxiety. They didn't have these issues that people deal with today. You know, they didn't have... Uh, evangelism to pray about. They didn't have any of that stuff. They just had the Lord. They just had fellowship and communion with the Lord. And they didn't have any need of the prayer of petition. They didn't have any need of the prayer of faith. They didn't have any need of the prayer of agreement. They didn't have to bind and loose and they didn't have all this stuff. They simply had. Communion and fellowship with the Lord. That was God's original intent. is just that Adam and Eve would have relationship, or I would say mankind would have relationship with the Lord, fellowship and communion. And honestly, that is supposed to be the majority of our prayer life, and the other things are supposed to be a minor, minute, part of our relationship with the lord and i would say this too the reason that that the purpose that we are not having communion and fellowship with the lord this way is why we have so many reasons for petition matthew 6 and 33 which we turned from a second ago it says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Oh man, if we are just in relationship with the Lord and we are just seeking the Lord and having fellowship and communion with the Lord, the Lord is able to just supernaturally meet a whole lot of the needs that we have in our life and our petition time gets shorter, our time to rebuke the devil and our time to bind and loose and go to the prayer of agreement, prayer of faith, that becomes shorter and our time to commune and have fellowship and relationship and enjoy the presence of the Lord gets larger. Oh man. Mm. the presence of the Lord was the intended environment that we live in and because we're not living in the presence of the Lord through communion, fellowship and intimacy with God is the reason why so many things are going wrong in our life let me say this, it's one of the reasons why so many things are going wrong in our life I want you to think about this Anytime God created something, he first created the environment in which it would function. So think about it. He made the firmament, then he made the sun and the moon and the stars and put them there. He created the seas and the land, and then from the sea came all of the creatures that swim in the ocean. Then He in the land and the animals and things came forth from the earth. He created the environment first. You know, in Genesis chapter 2, it says that God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And then he put man in the midst of the garden. And the word Eden means presence. Think about that. The environment that God created and then put man in was his presence. The environment we were created to live in and to thrive in is the presence of the Lord. In fact, when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they had to leave Eden. They weren't able to dwell in the presence of the Lord, to live. Here's the problem is believers are living for the presence of the Lord rather than from The presence of the Lord. See, and when you understand the story of the Bible, what you find is that from the from the minute the fall happened, God's God's plan was being progressively unfolded to get man back in his intended environment. (laughs) He built a tabernacle in the wilderness. Why? So his presence could be among his people. Jesus finally came, redeemed us. What did he do? He, put the, he gave us the Holy Spirit so the presence of the Lord could be in. And so that we could dwell in the environment of the presence of the Lord. God's whole purpose and plan for redemption was to get us back into our true environment where we are living in and from The presence of the Lord. You know, in his presence, in his presence, the Bible says in Psalm 16, is fullness of joy. You know why so many people, I would say, are filled with anxiety and are suffering from depression and things like that? Because they're not living in the presence of the Lord. Y'all would like this better if I said, here are five simple steps to make God do what you want him to do in your life. (laughs) You mean I'm going to have to (laughs) quit watching as the world turns? (laughs) Well, if you want to live in the presence of the Lord, I think things would have to change. Hmm. I felt some pushback on that one. <laughs> See, restoring us to communion with God was the purpose of redemption. We got to realize that. See, we've been taught that the purpose of redemption was so that we could go to heaven. We've gotten our theology from hymn books rather than the Bible. You know, the purpose of redemption wasn't to get us to heaven. It was to get heaven in us. So that we could live in the presence of the Lord here on earth. That it could be on earth as in heaven. You know, the presence of the Lord is within you, which means you have the ability to create the environment for the presence of the Lord to be manifest any You can dwell perpetually In the presence of the Lord, if you understand how to create the environment that brings his presence. Man, I tell you what, I just said something right there. You have the ability to dwell in the presence of the Lord if you understand how to create the environment that brings his presence. (laughs) We're chasing after God when we have the ability to bring him to us. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We are doing all kinds of religious calisthenics and stuff trying to chase after God when we have the ability to simply create the environment that causes God's presence to be manifested where we can live from the presence of the Lord. Look at uh, John chapter 17. Hallelujah. I want to show you that this was the purpose of redemption. You know, John 3:16, as you're turning, John 17 says this: Whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, we've thought different things about what eternal life is. Some people, if you ask them, they say, well, that means we're going to live forever in heaven. But in John 5, it says, he who believes me, believes him who sent me, has eternal life. What are you going to do with that? It says, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me already has it. So what are you going to do with that? What is We need to know exactly what is eternal life. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Man, that's pretty simple. That they may know you. Man. You know, I... So many of us, we have a zeal for God We want to do stuff for God We want to be impactful for God But you know, you can even put that before Knowing the Lord You can be so You can make it so much about you That knowing the Lord becomes secondary To your ministry And I'm saying some stuff today I'm telling you, the purpose of eternal life is to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. It means to know the Lord. It means having the ability to live in his presence. It means that we are able to live in the intended environment that God had for us before he ever created us. You know, redemption... Uh, reveals the fact that we have been reconciled to God. That means two who were at odds have come together into a relationship once again in harmony. You know, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man was separated from God as far as being able to live in an intimate relationship with him. But Jesus, by his blood, you know, we sang about the power of the blood this morning. By his blood, he paid for the sin debt of the world so that the one thing that separated us from God was done away with so that we can now live in, that we can enter into the holiest place. What what does Hebrews say? Having boldness to enter the holiest place by the blood of Jesus By a new and living way which he made for us through the veil which is his flesh. Remember when Jesus died on the cross, that veil in the temple that represented the fact that man was separated from God, it was torn from the top to the bottom, signifying that God ripped the thing that was separating him from mankind. He ripped it apart, and he perpetually and eternally opened the way into the presence of God where we can have fellowship, communion, access, intimacy with our Heavenly Father once again. Nothing can keep you out of that place if you enter in truly by a true heart. That's what he says. He said, let us draw near unto God with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our bodies washed with pure water. Hallelujah. Jesus, the work that he did on the cross was to make it available to us, to have perpetual access to the presence of God. To where we're living from the presence not living for the presence. Sometimes the reason we don't see effectiveness I believe in our prayer and ministering to other people is we haven't been living in the presence of God and we're trying to bring something to pass that we're not acquainted with. We're not familiar enough with it to bring it into somebody else's life at a moment's notice because it's even foreign to Yes. <clears throat> mm. You know, because when we're ministering to other people, we're called to, to bring it on earth as it is in heaven. We're not called. We're not coming to trying to debate somebody into believing the doctrine. We're called to demonstrate the reality of another kingdom. Oh man, I think that missed, I think y'all missed that. We're not called to try and debate somebody into a doctrine. See, that's what Facebook preachers like to do. They want to debate people into believing the doctrine the way that they believe it. But actually, what we're called to do is go and bring a demonstration of the reality of another kingdom is present here on this earth. But if we're not even familiar with it in our personal life, how are we going to bring it into the experience of another person? How are we going to bring it into the experience of another person when we're not even familiar with it ourselves? Oh, man. Ooh. Let's look at uh, Philippians 3.10. Let's look at the heart of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him. Mm. Man, that's good. You know, he didn't even say that I, may, that I would make him known. That, that, that's, that's interesting to me. Of course, we're wanting to, we want to make him known, but you can't make him known until you know him that I may know him the heart of the apostle paul was that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death not that i have already attained or am already perfected but i press on that i may lay hold of that for which christ jesus also laid hold of me oh man paul's intent of his heart was to press into the knowing of the Lord in a personal and an intimate way. It was higher than any other thing. And the Apostle Paul probably made more of an impact on this world than anybody else besides Jesus. But I think we could take a lesson from his focus was that he would know the Lord. That was his highest endeavor, that was his highest priority, was just, was just to know the Lord. Here's, here's the thing, if you understand how to have communion and intimacy with the Lord, there is no problem that can come that can ever take that away from you. No persecution can come where they can take away your communion with the Lord. You know, if you read about the martyrs in the early days of the Christian church, when they threw people to the lions, they burned them at the stake. Did you know those people? You know, the emperor at the time would hold his ears because those Christians, as they were being burned at the stake, were praising the Lord, offering up thanksgiving and praise unto God. And it nearly drove him crazy. The reason why is because they... Their highest priority in their life was to commune with God and not even being burned at the stake or ate by lions could take that away. Oh, man, I'm thinking about Acts chapter 16. And so many people you've heard talk about this. But when Paul and Silas had their backs flayed open and they were put in the... The the prison in the dungeon in the prison and their hands and their feet fastened in the stocks. At midnight they began to pray and praise God, and God caused an, God got to tapping his foot and caused an earthquake that broke all their stocks, opened all their doors, and caused them to be delivered. And here's the crazy thing: the presence of God was so thick in that place, none of the prisoners even tried to leave. Here's the point. No matter what comes in the future, if we understand this, it don't matter where you're at. Oh, if you found yourself in prison uh, for your testimony, for the Lord Jesus Christ, they may be able to put your body in prison, but they can't take away your communion with the Lord. Oh, that's how He was that's how Daniel was delivered from the lions. Well, he had communion and fellowship and intimacy with the Lord. It didn't matter whether he was in a lion's den. Think about Joseph. Whether he was in the pit or in the prison or in the palace, he had communion and he knew the Lord. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Listen, in fact, communion with the Lord can insulate you from trials. So that's one of the things I think we as believers need to understand is we want to be isolated from trials. <laughs> we want to be isolated from the trials to where we don't go through anything. <laughs> oh, I just want to serve the Lord so that nothing nothing comes against me, nothing harms me, you know. I'm not going to have any problems. If anybody ever told you that, they lied to you. (laughs) But really what happens is that the Holy Spirit came so that we could be insulated. So that the trials of life that are around us don't get in us. Or don't affect our heart. And cause us to, to waver. In regard to see, here's the thing: if you think that that it's your deliverance is the purpose of of redemption, then when you're going through something, you're going to be questioning God about it. Oh man! But when you understand that the purpose of redemption was communion with God, so no matter what you're going through in life, you have Him. Then there's no question. Amen. Hallelujah. In fact, Paul said this in Philippians 4 4, just a few verses later. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Amen. So, how do we cultivate that kind of relationship? Real quickly, turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. In verse 1 it says now in the church that was at Antioch there were certain prophets and teachers Barnabas Simeon who was called Niger Lucius of Cyrene Manaen who had been brought up with Herod the tetrarch and Saul and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Spirit said Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them If you notice here they were ministering to the Lord. So how, let, me, let me ask you this. How do you minister to the Lord? You know, we talk about this week so-and-so is going to minister. Do you preach to God? Do you pray for him? <laughs> no. How do you minister to the Lord? Through praise and worship. Listen, praise is what creates the environment that causes God's presence to be manifested in your life. In fact, if you're griping and complaining more than you're praising, then you're not going to have an experience of living from the presence of the Lord. And I'll just let you make all the applications of that you want to. There's all kinds of reasons that we could gripe and complain about what's going on In the world today, but will it fix anything? Will it change anything? Oh man. But there is something that will. (laughs) There is something that will. If we minister to the Lord, if we learn how to create an environment. See, praise and worship isn't just something we do. Here's the thing it's not for the entertainment of the saints. See, because I'm not a good singer. So I don't do praise and worship for you. (laughs) I never did start out to do praise and worship for other people. I remember when I got started doing praise and worship, I was doing praise and worship for an audience of one. And my wife heard me. And she told people. (laughs) And then they said, well, hey, I want to hear what that sounds like. That's how, that's how I got started doing that. Is I remember in the early days, and, I, you know, I do it still today, but I remember in those early days I was so in love with the Lord. I would sit in my bedroom by myself with a guitar and just sing to Jesus, sing to, to the Father, and just worship and praise Him. It's so easy. It was before I had any kind of aspirations it was just the only aspiration I had was I was enjoying his presence. Oh, I was just so caught up and, and just taken by his love for me. I was so amazed that he could love somebody like me, that I was just so in love with him. And it was just, you know, he, you know that scripture in Psalms that says he put, gave me a new song in my heart. Oh, that, that was it. You know, I know you all know what I'm talking about. And you just let that song, you know, it's not for you, it's for him. And that song is just coming out of your heart. But somewhere along the way, that gets stopped up. And we stop doing that. We stop engaging with the Lord on that kind of a level. And then we find ourselves struggling and fighting things in our own strength. Man, I'm trying to help you this morning. Lord, I'm trying to help. Praise and worship. Let me, let me say it like this. Communion and, and relationship with God is as simple as this. Father, I just thank you. You are a good God. Come on, just right there where you're sitting, you can, you can join in with me on this. Father, I just thank you. You're a good God. You are a faithful father. Oh, you're so good, and you've done so many wonderful things. I thank you for redemption. Father God, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that washed me and cleansed me of all sin. I thank you that you filled me with the Holy Spirit, Father God, that you gave me a new heart. You put a new spirit on the inside of me. You're so worthy of all praise, so worthy of my worship. It's so good to just be in your presence, Father God, just to know you is the cry of my heart. Listen, when you do that, you draw God's presence out and He begins to be manifest in your life. And the needs that you have just begin to supernaturally start to be being met because the glory of the Lord begins to permeate that place where you are. It's simple. And it's something we can do constantly. You know, it's not that I... See, that's what I was going to say earlier about prayer has been presented as something. It's not practical. (laughs) It's not practical. People say, oh, you got to go eight hours in your prayer closet. People work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get real practical with it. People work. People don't have eight hours to go spend in a prayer closet. (laughs) You know, people talk about, oh, you got to pray all night. You know, there's only two instances in the Bible where Jesus prayed all night. The night before he picked his disciples and the night before he went to the cross. Jesus was a man of prayer, but you don't, you can't pray all night. You got to (laughs) sleep. God created a day and now many hours are in the day and he knows what you have to do. We've got to, I'm just going to say this. We have got to make prayer practical where it works in the life of people. Oh, man, I can, I can, I can go around doing the things that I got to do, doing my work and just saying, Father God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the job that I have, that it's good. Father, God. you know, things could be worse. <laughs> things could be worse. You know, Father God, I thank you. I thank you that I am of of good health and able body and that I have ability and I have opportunity. Thank you, Father God. Oh, I'm so thankful that I'm not here, but you're with me, that you go with me everywhere that I go. And if you're with me, who can stand against me? Oh, Father God, I may not like where I'm at right now on my job, but you're bringing favor. I have favor with you and I have favor with man. And you're looking to promote me to a place of influence where I can share you with other people and that you're giving me opportunity. Lord, I'm looking for opportunity to demonstrate the reality of another kingdom in somebody's life whenever I'm here representing you as a son. Oh, it's so good. Such a privilege to call you father. It's such an honor to be able to say that I'm your son and to know that right now I am a son of God. There's so many things to be so thankful for, to be grateful for, to give God praise for. Oh, and that just causes you to dwell perpetually in the presence of the Lord. But how many of us go through our whole day and we don't even think about that? And then we wonder why we're, you know, we got such a bad attitude or something. (laughs) You know, Psalms 22 says, he inhabits the praises of his people. He don't inhabit the complaining of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Bless his name. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. You know, that's the lifestyle of the believer. And think about it. These psalms that I'm reading to you, these were spoken by David who was not under the better covenant. Jesus hadn't died yet. The blood. I mean, we got so many things, much more than what they had to be thankful for and to give praise for. We should. There's an endless supply of things to magnify the Lord about it. Here's another thing. You get to magnify in the Lord. You know what that word magnify means? To make bigger. Listen, God don't get bigger, but he gets bigger to you. As you begin to magnify the Lord, oh, you magnify the Lord for a while, bless his name, thank him for all the wonderful things you've done, But when you get to your petition, you think, oh, that's not even very big. (laughs) <laughs> you got this big problem going on in your life that just looks insurmountable. It's a mountain you can never cross. But you begin to magnify the Lord, you begin to bless his name, you begin to praise his name, you begin to build him up, and he gets to looking so big that when you finally get around to even saying us something about that need that you had, it looks so small, you go, Well, Lord, I know that's really not much, but if you could just go ahead and take care of that for me in Jesus' name, I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> oh, well, the problem is is that we talk about our problems so much that we magnify them till there's this huge thing and we haven't blessed the Lord and magnified him and then it seems like it's such a big thing that could never be taken care of. We have to, to cultivate an awareness of the Lord. You know, not only does it bring God on the scene, It silences the enemy and the avenger. Oh, it shuts his mouth. You know, when the devil gets to yapping, you need to get to praising. (laughs) Because if you don't, here's the thing. When the devil gets to yapping, if you don't get to praising, before you know it, you're going to start saying the same things he's saying. (laughs) Oh man, I don't even know how to end. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. We just give you praise. We were made for his presence. His presence is where we belong. Oh, and he put his presence on the inside of us by the Holy Spirit. It's simply up to us to change our mindset as Ms. Leela shared with us Wednesday night. Change the way we're thinking and the way we're looking at things. Begin to magnify the Lord and watch our problems shrink down to nothing. Amen. The and then when we do Seek to exercise faith in some situation. We're doing it from his presence. Rather than running and trying to stir up his presence real quick to try and... No, we live from it. We know the Lord. We know how to bring heaven to earth into any situation that we face. Hallelujah. Father, we just give you praise. Listen, if there's anybody here this morning... Maybe this hasn't been your experience. Maybe, maybe you haven't even thought about it this way. But I want to encourage you that uh, if you're struggling in this area or any other area, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, listen, Jesus shed his blood so that you could be reconciled to the Father, so that you could simply have relationship, fellowship, and communion with the Father. Jesus shed his blood and he died and he was raised again so that by simple faith in him, you could be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son. And there's going to be ministers up here at the end of the service who, are, who know how to bring heaven on earth. And I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with some kind of sickness, addiction, Depression, anything that you're going through, we want to make that available to you. We want to encourage you to come receive prayer this morning and leave out of here rejoicing in the Lord and enjoying His presence. Just want to remind you, just as you go through your day, just continue to create an environment of praise and thanksgiving and just enjoy the presence of the Lord. It is your inheritance. The presence of the Lord is our inheritance. It's him. Oh, man, I'm just going to have to quit. Hallelujah. (laughs) You're dismissed in the name of Jesus.